Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jerry Petito Show on Remember Then Radio. I have a really cool guest. He was actually on Remember Then Radio a while ago with another guest. Now, we've got a solo for him. So, um, I just want everybody out there, if, if you're having a problem hearing me, just type something in and let me know, okay? I think it seems like it's going to be well. All right, so Ryan, tell everyone who you are, and then I'm going to read your poem. Sure. Okay. So, hi everybody who's listening. Uh, my name's Ryan Henry, and I'm pleased to be here. Okay, so guys, I want to read his poem for you, and then you'll get a little idea of what Ryan is about. Okay, here goes. My guest on this show, I really do love. He's sort of my cousin, through family, kind of. He's 22 years old and wants something weird to just break a bone as if he was dared. You do have a hobby. Swing dancing it is. You are an old soul. That's cool for showbiz. You also enjoy singing doo-wop, 1950s era, still at the hop. Even photography that you really love, a 1960s camera, is ancient, sort of. Your favorite book that you ever read, Great Expectations, Charles Dickens once said. Your favorite celeb, you met him twice, Bobby Rydell, whose voice was nice. One of your mentors is also not Norm. Actress Hedy Lamar took the world by storm. As beautiful as she was, incredibly smart as well, she started modern Wi-Fi, but was told not to tell. Influenced by grandparents because of the lives they had, working their way from nothing, turning good what once was bad. A jack-of-all-trades you are, from cooking to fixing stuff, especially old furniture that once was looking rough. One of your prized possessions, a bedroom set you had found, Art Deco from the 40s, 80-year-old and still around. Even your guilty pleasures, to me, are not much fun, to frequent vintage stores to get some shopping done. You're here because of acting, and a singer you are, to shows you're a part of, that Grammy ain't far. Acting at 14, 16 you'd sing, after hearing your voice, you'd please the king. Mr. Robot is one show that you had played in, Remy Malek who starred, he helped you break in. The Marvelous Miss Maisel is now your new gig. A small part right now, but soon you'll be big. Ryan, I love you. You could be great. Follow your dreams. Spread love, not hate. That's for you, kiddo. I love it. Thank you. You're welcome. So what's ha- I mean, I wrote that poem a little bit ago. So what's mm-hmm. happening now? What have you added to this? So as of now, um, I've actually only added one project in the list of acting. Um, it's a Pete Davidson movie. He was an up-and-coming comedian, and it's a, a film called Staten Island. Okay. Um, and so pretty much it's a backstory of his life, how he grew up, how he broke into the business, and then it goes on from there. Um, it's not out yet, but that's pretty much the baseline of what the story is. Okay. So how'd you get involved in that? 
So with that one, actually, um, I received an email last minute uh, from one of the people from Marvelous Miss Maisel, and they said, hey, you know, one of the producers saw you, and we want you to work on this project. Um, and so they told me to respond and to get the details, so I did, and they said, great, we can use you. So I went there, um, and that's pretty much how I got that one. Okay, that's cool. So tell everybody about your hobbies. <laughs> sure. I know some of them aren't, you know, normal for people my age or in this generation, but um, I like, I'm eclectic, let's be honest. I like going antiquing. I like spending my Friday and Sunday night swing dancing till wee hours of the morning. I am not the type that just, you know, sits out or goes to a bar just to get, you know, drunk happy because I have nothing else to do. I'd rather spend my time with friends in just a nice, calm atmosphere, enjoying life rather than sitting and wasting it. Okay. So, like, what started that with you? Um, I can't really say exactly what started it. It's more or less a niche I've just always had. Um, and if I think back about it, it's something I always have done, really. So, alright, so you know... But there has to be something from your background, something that kicked in. The average person your age, I only know one other person, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> his name is Harrison, and he actually worked for me as well. I got him a job working for me, and he was on my radio shows, and I actually brought him... Uh, to some shows backstage to meet some, you know, doo-wop. Okay. He's 18, and he plays the ukulele. Oh, wow. And his favorite songs are, like, you know, Fly Me to the Moon is his favorite song of all time. Uh So he's really into all that. And other than him and you, I don't really know any other young people. Uh-huh. that are into these kind of things. Right. So, what, like, clicked in for you? What, like, what was that moment where you said, this is incredible, this is really cool? What about your uh, life? I would have to say then, now that I think about it, is all the summer vacations that were taken down to Wildwood. Um, I guess that's where it clicked, as you said. You know, all the neon signs, hearing the doo-wop, hearing... Everything from the Capris to the Aces on full blast on the boardwalk to just all of it. The glitz and the glamour of that time period that's long since gone. I just connected to it and I like to relive it as best as I can in this day and age. Okay. So, you know, it's funny. Okay. If I heard that stuff when I was young, I would have been like, Mm -hmm. boo. Okay. (laughs) You know, but something in you was like, wow, this is cool. Do you... Your personality, let's talk about that. Growing Mm -hmm. up, were you shy? Tell them about, like, your personality. Um, I used to be a wallflower, I'll be completely honest. I was the kid in school that would, you know, at points just keep to myself in the corner of a room. I'd throw myself into a conversation nonchalantly trying to get involved and then just throw myself right out. But growing up and older and embracing who I am made me, you know, realize life's too short. I'm going to be me, and I know not everyone's going to like it, so I might as well live my life that I'm happy doing, and just, you know, I'd rather be remembered for being me, for sticking out, rather than just being someone else in the crowd. Okay. That's what I wanted to hear. Because I want, you know, uh, you know, all my shows, right? 
we try to touch someone out there who's listening. Someone uh-huh. out there that can resonate. Someone out there that can say, wow, that's my story. Right. You know, um, and if he can do it, I can do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I right. I interviewed Angelo Capone, and he's my Jerry Lewis guy. Okay. And I don't know if you got to hear his story. but Ryan, I don't think so. Ryan, you have to. Because if anyone is going to be able to relate and love that story, it will be you. I'm going to tell uh-huh. you a little bit about it. And then he was on um, my show, and you you can hear the poem. I wrote his whole life story. It was probably the longest poem I ever wrote. Uh-huh. You're going to wait till you hear this. So sure. he, he grew up very, very awkward. He grew up dyslexic. He couldn't read. Okay? Uh-huh. In school, very nerdy and, you know, not popular and shy and all that. He would hide right. behind everything. If he was asked a question and he knew he couldn't answer it or read, he would drop something or fall or hit into something to get the focus off of the question. Oh, wow. Okay. When he was, I think, eight years old or nine, nine years old, uh-huh. he went to see a Jerry Lewis movie with his mother. Uh-huh. The Nutty Professor. Okay. And he looked like Jerry Lewis. Jerry Lewis oh, wow. was doing him. So that helped save his life. Wow. Okay. Okay. And uh, uh-huh. so you got to check him out. And, you know, that's what I want everybody out there to know that um, not everybody, you know, follows their dream. Um, you know, and they need to, and regardless of age, Angel Baby's in the house. Hey, Angel Baby, I prayed for Steve. Everybody, prayers out for Steve. He's still in the hospital. Um, I know you're, I'm going to pray for you too, Angel Baby. I love you. Is the sound okay, sweetheart? Um, I feel so bad for you guys right now. Everybody keep Angel Baby and Steve in your prayers. It's important. I love you. So, Ryan, um, you know, so I've known you since you were young, and that that's really why I wanted to talk about that a little bit, because I think you can help so many young people out there, regardless of your entertainment. Uh-huh. Just your story, you know? Right. So, now, you know I'm going to put you on the spot, right? I was waiting for it. All right, so this young man also sings he acts he sings and the cool part about this is (laughs) that he's very young but when you hear his voice you're not going to believe that okay (laughs) his his sound his style all that the kid rocks he's really cool so ryan let's hear something acapella sweetheart Already. Um, do you want me to give the name or kind of just go with it and see who can get it, if you can get it? Um, all right, see if... All right, well, you know, I might not be able to get it, but all right, let's do it. <laughs> okay. Um, see the pyramids along the Nile Watch the sunrise on a tropic isle Just remember, darling, all the So long. 
Well, keep going. <laughs> oh my God, keep going. Fly the ocean in a silver plane. See the forest when it's wet with rain. Just remember, darling, all the while you belong to me. Okay, now that was incredible. Now that was incredible. All right, so I know the Dupree sang it. Uh huh. Um, Joe Stafford. Like the most is actually uh, Patsy Cline's version. Okay, so Patsy Cline, Joe Stafford, right? I mean, I know. All right, but the Dupree's, of course, for me, you know, and Patsy Cline. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I know Patsy Cline, and she was incredible. Um, your voice, I just love it. You know how I feel about your voice. <laughs> okay, when I watch you sing, though, I can't believe that's coming out of you. And and you, so? you're well okay. So you're like my cousin's baby, you know. Number mm-hmm. one, number two, you're you're a thin guy. You know what I mean? You're young. It's not like you're this big guy with this raspy. That is powerful. <laughs> Thanks. You know, it's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I have to ask you, and I've I've probably asked you this before, but these are the silly questions I ask because I have to sure. get into somebody's head. So. I wish I could sing, Ryan, and I can't. And I know that. And people say, oh, no, anyone can sing, but whatever. Okay, so um, when did you know you could sing? What, like, when did you start singing? Let's talk about that. Um, I want to say when I was around 16, when I started singing, I mean, it was the point where I was having my friends, you know, saying, oh, he sings, what else? And I'd be getting told, you know, oh, shut up, or like, come on, come on. Um, and so, I don't know, I just connected to music, and for me, even just belting out a part of a song to me is a good emotional outlet for whatever I'm feeling, or if it's, you know, as corny as it sounds, whistling a tune while you work. It's just as simple as doing that. It's as simple as doing that. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I'm here to tell you, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, listen, it's simple for you. It is not, you know, I was in my car with a friend. I'm going to give him a shout out. Dominic Azara from Papa's Tomato Pies, okay? Um, His wife, I love Debbie. She lets me borrow him. She has to stay home because they have another puppy now and their other dog is sick. So she stays home. She doesn't take too many long trips with us. And she lets him come hang out with me to different shows. And Sunday, we were in that pouring rain coming home an hour away. We went to see Michael D'Amour, lead singer of the Capris. Yay, Michael. And, uh, you know, we were singing in the car and we were laughing because... This is what we were saying as we're singing. Yeah, we sing, but we can't sing. Yeah, we sing, but we can't sing. (laughs) So it's not as easy as that. (laughs) So, all right. So now let me ask you this. I want to get into, of course, what you're doing with your shows and all that. But let's talk about your swing dancing first. Uh How'd you get started with that? Because I've seen you and you're incredible. Thanks. Um, Honestly, I don't really know exactly how I got into it. All I know is if I hear a good beat, if I hear a good swing song and my foot starts tapping, I just got to move. It's it's like if you listen to a good song and you know it's good, it's one of those feelings that you can't sit still and you have to go with it. And it's whenever I get that itch, I, I go. I just have to go to it. 
So your mom would disagree. She says it's because of her, she told me. Well, she does, <laughs> she, okay, well, she does dance, she does, I didn't learn swing from her, okay. but I will say then I do get the dancing gene, I guess, from her. Okay, so you just said something really cool. You said when you hear it, you just have to go with it. Mm-hmm. Um, guys, I hope that noise is not distracting. They're actually trimming hedges right outside my house. Okay, oh, that's, fine. that's great. At this time, I'm in a I'm in a community, so they picked this time to do it. Great. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, it'll stop soon. So, you said something like, "When you hear the music, you just have to go with it." Mm-hmm. Think about a baby. I talk about this often. Think about a baby sitting in its stroller or, you know, one of those bouncy chairs. Infants, eight months old, nine months old, a year old. If you put music Mm -hmm. on, they start bouncing. Right. So it's like an eight, isn't it? Like, no one has to tell us to do that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, it's a feeling. It's a feeling. So that proves that we need music to survive. Right. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. Wow, that's pretty cool. Okay, so talk about your photography. So it's more or less like a small hobby. Um, Sometimes, you know, if, let's say like with fall, there's been so many beautiful days where I'll just be sitting there thinking about, you know what, I'll have like a place in my head, like the lake by my house, and I'll just be like, you know, even though I've shot it a million times with my phone, with my camera, I have to today because it's never going to be the same image. Not every leaf is going to be in the same place, and it's... It's one of those things where I will take a picture of the same thing a million times until I know that it's perfect for me. Um, it's a good, you know, time consumer. I do it because it's calming for me. So, okay. So now let me ask you this. Well, you know I scrapbook, obviously. Right. So, and I mean, you know, I have. I can't even tell you how many now. Um, Mm -hmm. But I scrapbook every single show, and you've been scrapbooked multiple times. Okay. Um, Photography, for me, is capturing things at the moment, but then Mm -hmm. remembering them for a lifetime. Right. Being able to remember those moments for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is about photos, but with me, it's almost a necessity in my life. Right. Right? You feel the same way? Okay, cool. And, you know, I can definitely relate to that um, as well. And the thing I fear and that I dislike about my generation is everything, you know, has to be at the, you know, flick of a switch. Oh, let me get this for Snapchat or let me get this on Facebook Live. But see, the power of film is that it lasts forever, you know, as long as you take care of it and you capture it and all that. But that's the other thing. Like, I can remember sitting on my floor and going through all of my you know, boxes of photos that my grandparents kept of them from back in the day. And to me, that's me connecting to their lives. So I thought, I want to take photos of what I'm doing and what I'm doing with my friends in my life so that way one day my kids and my grandkids can have the same experience of finding that box you're not supposed to touch in the top of the closet with all the old photos and, you know, having a life remembered so it's not forgotten. Well, I have to touch base on what you just said. (laughs) Okay, Ryan, you know, my dad passed away two years ago. You know that. Mm-hmm. And I remember they in their closet on the top shelf were all the albums. Mm-hmm. And I remember always looking through them. And right. 
I have every one of his albums in the bags still in the trunk of my van. I haven't been able to bring them in my home yet and go through them. Oh, wow. I'm going to do it, but I can't mm-hmm. do it yet, and I'm not sure why. Hmm. Okay? Isn't that crazy? Oh, yeah. And as far as my grandchildren, and you know this, I've scrapbooked for them. I started scrapbooking when my daughter was pregnant with my grandson. Mm-hmm. And uh, his entire life, I'm a, he's got over 30 scrapbooks. His entire wow. life is in there up until his graduation. Uh, Mm -hmm. in high school and my granddaughter I'm on her I think fifth or sixth book now and she's only four wow you know and and the books are double books because I add double pages in them they're huge right so Mm -hmm. um, you know it's incredible I just think it's incredible so now your favorite book let's talk about that and there's a reason I'm asking you all these questions because these things are what make a person do you know what I mean? Their favorite likes, their dislikes, they make that person's personality, and there's reasons why. So let's talk about right. your favorite book, okay? Great Expectations. Sure. Mm-hmm. Charles Dickinson, right? Yep. Why? There's... I couldn't even start with why. It's just, it's the story of pretty much an orphan, you know, who rises to fortune, and... To me, it's like a coming, not a coming of age story, but a building a name for yourself story. And to me, it's about how you can start from nothing, almost like an old Hollywood tale, how you can start from nothing. You hold on to what you believe in, no matter what anybody says to you or what life is trying to tell you, and you follow through with it. So for me, that book is almost like my Mm -hmm. staying, like for me to stay hopeful, that's my message, you know, keep up with your dream, you know, even if you have to sacrifice it all, if it means getting to your goal, to your dream, do whatever it takes. And so that's pretty much what I get from that story. That is so cool, and and I had a feeling you were going to say that, and I love (laughs) it. I just love it. So, okay, your favorite celeb. You got to meet him twice, Bobby Rydell. Yeah. So how'd you meet him? Um, so the first time I met him was actually at the Edison Public Library, I believe. Um, and it was a public book signing, so I thought I'd go. I reserved my spot. Um, so I got there super early. I met, uh, one of the people that was helping managing the event. He gave me, like, a little card with info about Bobby Riddell. And the first thing, you know, I noticed was I was the only one, uh, that was in their 20s. And everyone was walking in, and I'm like, I kind of figured that was going to happen. But anyway... Um, I was questioned by a couple people saying, you know, aren't you a little young to be listening to Bobby Riddell? Aren't you a little young to be able to connect to him? And I said, I might be, but I connect with his music, with all of it. And so when he walked in, I was bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, clapping, honestly smiling like an idiot with how big I was smiling. (laughs) But um, when he came in and he started talking about his life story and about Wildwood and how it got started and you know, how he performed and how he met Frank Sinatra, how his dad got him into the clubs to get him started as, you know, a oh. singer, as a club singer. It clicked, like his story clicks with me, how we started almost from nothing in a small, humble town. And he had help from his family and his friends and being in the right place in the right time. And boom, you know, overnight is a sensation. And so I keep that story to myself as well, thinking, you know, if he can do it, hopefully I can too. And that's part of the reason why he's my idol for so many reasons. That's so cool. You're smiling and laughing like an idiot. I love it. I, I was. I that's really great. was. Um, 
So, all right, let's talk about your female favorite, one of your favorite actresses, Hedy Lamarr. How? Uh-huh. That, that's crazy for your age. Okay. It is. Why? <laughs> so, it, again, multiple reasons. With Hedy Lamarr's case um, is pretty much how it's a stereotypical affair where they see somebody pretty, that's all you're going to be, and, you know, shut up, look pretty. The whole, you know, golden boy, golden girl act, as they call it. And with Hedy Lamarr, she was so smart and so gifted that people didn't give her the credit for what she created, what she helped founded. And so whenever, you know, she went to meetings, because she was known to go to public speaking events a lot as well, and Mm. Hollywood at the time didn't like that because they didn't like the thought of somebody who's up on the screen as a beautiful sex symbol who's rich and glamorous. They didn't want it to clash with the idea that, oh, she's got a brain. You know, we don't want to hear how smart she is. We just want to care about her looks. And with her, if it wasn't for her, honestly, uh, we wouldn't have what we know as modern-day Wi-Fi since she helped a lot with the invention of that. That blew my mind because, of course, I wouldn't know that. When <laughs> when I learned that from you, that blew my mind. Yeah. You know, we're talking way back. What, like, give me a year, like, you know, a span, a year span of when you think... I would say that's... 1930s to 1940s. Okay. So now think about that, guys. All my listeners out there, really think about that. Not only was this woman incredibly beautiful, incredibly talented, right? One of the sexiest women alive. One of the smartest. Mm-hmm. We're, Wi-Fi? Who even freaking thought of that, okay? That's crazy yeah. to me, Ryan. It is, and it's it's funny to think about, especially for that time period. Um, there's a word, there's a name for it. Um, she was was frequency hopping that's what it was frequency hopping which she helped um pretty much create back in i think it was 1940 or 1941 crazy that's incredible all right so let's talk about your grandparents sure so they influenced you i i know your grandparents you know Mm -hmm. so let's tell us a little bit so my grandparents isabel and kingdon um are a very big part in my life uh from growing up in the house, to always going to grandma's house on the weekends when I was younger. Um, and the stories, when I was little, I always used to ask my grandmother to tell me about the stories about, you know, how did you and Papa meet? How did, what was town like? What was Heights town like back in the day? What was life like? Yeah. And so it's just, it's just a beautiful story. And honestly, it could be like a movie, just their story in general, because it's so beautiful. And you, you know, every time you talk, you go back in time, like even with that, what was Heightstown like back then? Young kids don't care about that stuff. That's so incredible. Right. I just love yeah. that about you. Well, you know I love you anyway. We've always connected. Mm-hmm. When I had my poker games and your mom used to come yeah. hang out at, um, uh, what do you call it, um, in Windsor? Uh, Amarones. Amarones. You would come and yeah. sit with me. Mm-hmm. I loved it. So, all right. So now, you're a jack of all trades, right? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. So, um, pretty much anything from fixing furniture to painting to some automotive stuff. You know, like the basic, honest, basic life skills. If it needs to be fixed, you should know how to do it, is <laughs> what I consider jack of all trades. All right, because I, I might need some light bulbs changed. I'm going to... I'm going to call you, okay, baby? Gotcha. <laughs> so, but you also cook, right? Yes, I do. So, what kind of cooking? 
Um, everything from comfort home cooked food to five star dinner food, French service style, all that. I had a feeling it was going to be very upscale at one point too. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just looking at you, okay? Just knowing <laughs> you. So, um, you know, I'm vegan, sweetheart. Yep. I so remember. you know, you can make me something vegan. I would love that. I'm pretty sure I can. <laughs> um, all right. So now, let's see what else. Oh, okay. I want to talk about something that I am not okay with about your bucket list. Oh, boy, I know which one this is going to be about. What the heck is wrong with you, you wanting to break a bone? (laughs) Stop it. Take it off your list. I'm trying to. I don't know why. Um, It's just always been on my list. Then I know what you should do. Yeah. Okay, get one of those homemade casts, Mm -hmm. put it on, and you'll know what it's like. No, no, no. Because listen to me. If you really do break a bone, that could be forever a problem. That's true. And That's then it true. will interfere with your dancing, you fool. Think about that. Right. I don't yeah. care if it's your arm, your ankle, your... Think you want that to happen? Yeah, no. Okay, take it off your freaking bucket list. Now I'm here talking <laughs> to you because I love you. Get it uh-huh. off now because when you put stuff out in the universe, things happen. Oh, I know it. So take it off your bucket list and get a fake cast and you'll know what it's like, stupid. <laughs> all right. So now, all right, let's see. What else can we talk about before we get into all your acting? Um, I want, let's see, before, there were a couple other little things I wanted. Oh, your prized possessions. Let's talk about that. Your bedroom set, your art deco. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about your bedroom set. So, that was actually, honestly, a lucky find, as I like to call it. Um, I've always liked the big, bulky, the Art Deco, classy-styled furniture. And one day, I was just on Facebook, and I saw somebody had it up for sale, you know, and I inquired about it. And so, I went to go pick it up. Luckily, it was a lady that was right down the street from me. And it's a bedroom set from 1940. It's about 80 years old. The big Art Deco, the huge uh, Mercury mirrors. Um, and I saw it and I had to have it. I just had to have it. That's crazy. So you'll have that forever. That will end oh, yeah. up coming. Yes, so. that, that you will absolutely have forever. That's really cool though, Ryan. I even think uh-huh. that's cool. Um, and what about your art deco from the forties? Tell me about that. In regards to, do you have any art that old? Uh, art? No, okay. I don't. Okay. I wasn't sure. All right. So now. Um, let's talk about your acting career. Sure. What is going on? So, um, as of now, I'm still waiting. I'm kind of like in a lull period. Um, I'm, you know, looking for roles, still auditioning, doing whatever I can. And, you know, I've been lucky and fortunate enough to get the roles I have, whether it be background or what have you. It's just amazing to be on. And actually, the last um, the last project that I did was actually down in Atlantic City, and it's a Netflix film called Army of the Undead um, that one of my mom's friends actually told me about. And so I went and I did that, and it was amazing. It's just, it's a fun environment to be in. So what is it about? Let's hear um, it. So it's pretty much, the baseline of it is it's a heist movie, um, and it's supposed to be, 
in Las Vegas, but it was filmed down Atlantic City, and it's about the zombie apocalypse that breaks out, and they go to a casino to try to heist everything that's still left, and they find that the casino is infested with zombies, and <laughs> it's pretty much another stereotypical zombie movie, let's be honest, is what it is. So, well, And what part do you have? Uh, so I am actually a zombie. Um, so you will be able to recognize me. I am in somewhat full makeup, but you can 100% tell it's me. Um, so that's pretty much what I was doing. And so wait, you have that photo on, on your Facebook, don't you? Mm-hmm. I saw it, and you were standing there with a girl? Yep. And who is she in the movie? She is another one of the, uh, walkers as well. Okay. And the makeup's incredible, though. I can tell it's it, you, but the makeup is incredible. It is, yeah, and it was like, when it was getting done, I was sitting in the chair, because they almost didn't want us to look at herself, so I was always looking down, so I didn't get makeup on my face, so when it was done, which took about, I want to say, half hour, 45 minutes-ish, I looked up in the mirror, and I was like, holy shit, I aged 20 years, and I was looking at myself, <laughs> like, what the hell happened? <laughs> so. Listen, you, you not only aged, but you had a lot of color involved, listen. Oh, yeah. A lot. No, I thought that was so cool. So you're playing a zombie. Mm-hmm. So um, how big is your role in that? That isn't that big. That's about a one-and-done type shot. Okay. So. so, Miss Maisel. Yes. So how did you get involved in that and tell us what that's about? Sure. So um, Maisel actually, again, was lucky as lucky can be. Um, I saw an advert in the city for it that they were looking for people for the show, and the first thing in my head was, yeah, all right, it can't be real because it's in this little small billboard plastered on a wall, so I didn't think anything of it, but I applied, you know, not thinking anything that I was going to hear back or it could be a scam, and so I sent in my photos of, like, my 1950s clothing and stuff and me in, like, different scenes and all that. And I want to say, I think the next day, I got an email back saying, we love your look, you already look like you're from the 50s, we want to use you, come to Brooklyn for a fitting. So I did that, and as soon as I read the email, I screamed and I showed mom, and I'm just like, here you go, this is legit, I'm going to work on Maisel. And so the show itself is um, about a comedian in the 1950s, who is Maisel, for anyone who's watched season one and two, um, who whose life honestly falls apart. She gets divorced. Her husband cheats on her. Um, she's in this very, very stereotypical Jewish family, and you will see it throughout the show. Um, and she fights for it. She wants to be a comedian, and it was accidental because she stumbled into a bar and she was drunk, and people liked her. People liked her life because her life was falling apart. Others thought it was funny, and so she used that to her advantage and started talking about her husband, about life, about everything that was wrong with her to get not only comfort for herself but get a laugh out of others, and that's what helped her rise to fame. Rise to fame. So... All right, let me ask you about that. I mean, is this like a true story based on true facts? So it's loosely based from what I've read. It's loosely based off of um, Joan Rivers and her comedian shtick about her being Jewish and a comedian, which, you know, she got her start in the early 60s. Um, And so it's loosely based off of a story somewhat like that. And it's called The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, correct? Yep. And so tell us about about your role and, and, you know, how long you've been doing it and what's happening with that. 
Sure. Um, so with that, it's I can't really say everything. Right. Um, but it's going to be in season three, which comes out December 6th. Um, and so I first start off as, you know, a World War, not a World War II, but one of the Army soldiers. Um, and there's a huge USO show, and she's entertaining the troops, and she's, you know, loving it. They're loving her, obviously, because it's the first woman they've seen in God knows how many months. Um, and so after that, it moves forward in her life in time as well. Um, and then I play a casino patron, and I do have some close-ups I do know um, on camera, so that's going to be fun. And then from there, it's filler scenes, more filler scenes. But I've worked on that for about six months from when I first got the email. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. So yeah. you're going to let me know when it comes out and all that, right? Definitely, yep. <clears throat> now, let me ask you about Mr. Robot. Sure. Okay, so how long did you play in that? What What is that about? So, that show, actually, I was only on for a day. Um, That was a random email that I got. Um, I didn't know what show it was for at all. There was no details, no anything. All it said was, untitled project, show up at this time, at this location. So, I thought nothing of it. Okay, you know, it's another role. And then, we're put on the set, which is in the bar scene, which just aired last Sunday. Um, and next thing you know, I'm right next to Remy Malik, and I'm like, oh, all right, <laughs> this is what I'm doing. I'm next to Remy Malik. Like, what the hell did I just step into? And then, so I'm asking because I was completely oblivious to what the hell was going on because we weren't told anything. So I asked a girl that I was sitting next to, and I said, can you tell me what's going on here? And she's like, oh, it's for Mr. Robot. And I said, oh, okay. I said, I have no idea what's going on. You're going to have to fill me in. So she did. Um, and so that was only a day shoot, um, on camera a couple of times, you can see me in between when they're sitting at a table, I'm in between Remy Malik, um, and one of the other co-stars and then walking outside, I walk right by the camera and if you slow it down, you can plainly see me. So mom posted some photos I saw. Mm-hmm. Okay. You next to Remy, right? Yep. Okay. Did you get to talk to him? I did not. That's one of those things. Um, when you're on set, you are not allowed to approach them, talk to them, affiliate any type of way with them. Yeah, I don't think I would do well. I would be locked up. <laughs> That's what you were saying last time. Okay. Um, so I went to a show recently mm-hmm. um, to see the Capris, mm-hmm. the Dupris. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there were a few different groups. It was incredible. And right. I got to go and watch them, you know, rehearse pre-show and all that. Mm-hmm. And my friend Michael Diamore from the crew says, then, Jer, if you come back here, remember, you got to be good. <laughs> I, said, <laughs> I said, oh, yeah, I will. I will. Well, that right. was it. Listen, I, I stalked everybody. I hugged oh everybody. They were laughing. I'm like, come on, let's get some photos. Let's get some selfies. They were amazing. <laughs> I was cracking up. And then when the Capris were, were um, practicing, um, Frank Rain, the original, one of the originals, he looks, he sees uh-huh. me out there and he goes, Jerry, is that Jerry? You starting trouble? I said, yep. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, I can't be that person. I could not imagine being in a room Mm-hmm. With celebrities and right. not hugging them, laughing, talking, asking questions. I just can't imagine doing that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's like when I first got onto Maisel, you know, I watched the show prior to. And so when I was thrown 
right into the lion's den with it, and it's so surreal when you see a person that's playing a character, and that's a character you've watched on TV for so long, and it's it was like time froze for a minute. I saw her, and she was just walking back and forth, getting ready for her scene, and I'm looking, and I'm like, I'm here. Let me take this in real quick. Let me breathe. Let me not smile like a complete idiot. Let me just hold it in. She's here. This is cool. But I do understand where you're coming from. It's almost like such a surreal moment that you have to think to yourself, is this honestly real? Right. I remember years ago, I was in my early 30s, maybe 31, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was with, with a guy, which I regret being with the guy because he pulled me away. Um, gotcha. I'm holding his hand and we're in the, I think it was ABC or NBC building, CBS, I don't know. We went to see the Joan Rivers show. So whatever building she was in. And we're walking online, and in the hallway, I bump right into someone's chest. Uh Steven Seagal. Wow. So, I look up slow, and he looks down at me, and I froze, and he (laughs) says, hi. And Uh I'm staring at him, and I'm like an idiot, and I couldn't even say hi. And then my boyfriend (laughs) pulls me away because he knew I love Steven. And I was like, are you kidding me? I would have, if I was alone, I would have caught my breath and then ran in the elevator with him. (laughs) Like, for sure. He was getting in the elevator with his two guys. Uh You know, absolutely would have ran in the elevator. Today I would, you know what I mean? All right. But that was surreal. That was like, did that just happen? Steven Seagal. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. craziness. Uh, Very. You know, wow. So anyway, so what else is going on, kiddo? So let me ask you this: um, Who do you want to meet? Like, who? Some modern actors or actresses or singers. Like, who do you love, and who would you love to meet? Oh, that's a good question. Um, uh, I would have to say then. One of them would have to be Ryan Gosling. Okay. Um, I would say Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, yes, honey. And listen, you better bring me with you if that happens. <laughs> um, and then I would definitely have to say, as my final last one, I would have to say Rachel McAdams. Do I Tell me who she is. I'm sorry. Uh, Rachel McAdams has been in anything and everything she was in the notebook oh yes no yes yes because i knew the name yes yes i know who she is yep Mm -hmm. absolutely she's beautiful amazing yep Mm -hmm. um so what are your dreams now like where do you want all this to go kiddo i mean ideally still dreaming about it i'd like it to go farther so i have a full-time career you know I'm not asking to be up there to be famous, famous. You know, if I get to, like, bump elbows with celebrities, even just doing small parts, you know, that would be a dream come true for me, just to be in the same room as them. Um, I mean, yes, initially I'd like to be up there. I'd like to say, you know, thank you to the Academy one day. You know, I have high hopes and high dreams, so I'm I'm hoping, you know, I want to pursue it. Okay. So, acting school. Did you go to acting school? I did not. Okay. Um, Is that something you may want to do? Possibly, yeah. Okay. So, but look at what's happening and you didn't even go. Right. That's pretty cool, right? Yeah. Do you, all right, let me ask you this. Do you watch scenes with people that you admire 
and try to mimic how they act? Yeah, constantly. Constantly, so tell me. Um, one of them is actually uh, Friends, which is almost everybody that I know is go-to for a good feel-good show. I like to watch Ross and um, Matt LeBlanc in it and watch their characters, how, you know, they're silly, they're comfortable, they're just like, you know, cool, I'm in a room full of girls, let me just scratch my rear end and not really care. It's, it's like, I like to watch them so I can get a feel of looseness, you know, just go up there, just do it. Who cares what people are looking at? Who cares what people are going to say? If that's what it takes, if that's what the character is, just do it. You know what I mean? It's for me to try to get more comfortable making a complete fool of myself for a character. So, you know what I mean? Of course I know what you mean. So mm-hmm. is, is Friends one of your favorites? It is. All right, so mine as well, Tiffany as well, my daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, so I own the entire box of all the Friends, right? Okay. And Netflix, they're on Netflix. So, like, yeah. see, that and Seinfeld really anymore are the only two shows I even watch. I don't watch much TV anymore. I don't have time. But late right. at night, if I can't sleep, those are the only two shows I will watch. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, what about Seinfeld? Do you like Seinfeld? I tried getting into it. I just can't really get into it. Tell me why. I don't know. I just, to me, I find it very repetitive. Okay. what I see. So, okay. So I don't see that at all. Um, I see brilliance. Okay. Friends and Seinfeld to me were the two, two of the greatest sitcoms ever. I'm going to okay. tell you the difference for me. Friends is more silly and stupid brilliant writing i don't mean that that's not where that's not what i mean it was absolutely brilliant writing um Mm -hmm. for silliness and stupidity and to relate to everyone in their homes and everyone's lives and to make you want to be part of that that is such a feel-good show that it can take you out of any depressed state you are in or what's going on in your life and bring you to a happy place Mm-hmm. Right? And that's Friends. Yep. Right. And again, one of the greatest that comes ever. Now, mm-hmm. Seinfeld for me, Seinfeld is brilliant to me. Mm-hmm. Seinfeld is probably one of the most brilliant sitcoms ever written. And I'll tell you why. Because he touched on every single thing that a person could ever go through in life, that a person mm-hmm. would ever think but wouldn't want to say. Right. Okay. He touched on everything and did it and said it in his sitcoms. Right. Um, I think he broke barriers for other comedians mm-hmm. early on with all that. Uh, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. like, like the interactions there were more... Um, not so much for kids, mm-hmm. you know, like friends, kids could even watch, you know what I mean? Right. To a point, yeah. you know, so his was just a little bit more, um, adult oriented yeah. and, mm-hmm. and I would watch it and say, oh my gosh, I was thinking that I can't believe you said it or, and just really relate. So that's right. how I feel about both of those shows. I think they were the greatest, mm-hmm. um, so, if you had your choice, um, if you were able to say, okay, I want to play this kind of a role, what mm-hmm. role would that be, Ryan? Um, 
That's a good question. I would want to say... I'd want to play the character that's taking themselves too seriously. Okay. Um, for the fact being that I feel like that's a more difficult role to play because not only are you, you know, yourself, you're playing a character, but that character is also playing a character of someone who they're not. So it's almost like a double role, double standard type deal. Um, and with most shows where they have that, like, it's this big person who's very serious about life, very determined, but then they realize they're pushing too hard on being who they're not, and they have to, you know, come to terms with who they are, be themselves, and then they realize, look, I can get this much farther being who I am instead of impressing people who won't give me the time of day. So, that reminds me of Kramer from Seinfeld. (laughs) That's who that reminds me of. Who does it remind you of? What character have you seen like that? Um... I'm going to go back to Friends and say Phoebe in the very beginning. Okay. I get that. I could see that with Phoebe. Mm-hmm. So, so, I'm going to put this out there now to everybody out there. So, I'm thinking about writing a screenplay for my book. I'm not an addict. I'm just an ass. hmm And you know, Ryan, you're going to be part of it. That's we're, what you were telling me. Yep. We're going to talk about this because... Um, after the holidays, I'm really seriously going to think about starting to do this, to write this. Sure. Um, what kind of a role do you see you playing in such a screenplay? Um, I would leave that up to you. You know, I'm the actor, but you're the artist. No, but let me ask you this. No. Would you play an addict? Would you play a recovering addict? Or would you play a counselor? Like, what would you see you doing? I would see myself as a counselor. Okay. So that would be that would be cool. So we'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I, how can I say this? Um, I always thought growing up that people, music, let's just say actors and actresses, right? Uh All right. And even musicians. Okay. So people who were artists, people who put themselves out there. Right. I always thought there was a part of me that believed that people put themselves out there doing the exact opposite of who they were. Uh But as I got older and and a little bit more smarter, Uh I realized that sometimes the majority of times people are really who they are. Right. And, you know, not so much, you know, like movies, they will cast you. They will say, okay, we think you'll be great for this or whatever. But a really good artist, even when they sing songs, they will do something, change something, manipulate something to where it really becomes them, correct? Yeah, definitely. Okay, so um, that's my hope and my dream with this screenplay, Uh you know, that people who are involved in it can really put themselves out there. Right. Um, and we'll see what happens with that. So I hope this works out. Definitely, yeah. You know? So what else is going on? We've got about 10 minutes left. So what else do you want to talk about? Um, I would say, you know, I don't want to go so off, you know, far off the beaten path of it, but I would definitely say with music, what we were talking about and how how you were asking me how I connect to it and who I idolize, like, in a general idea of music in today's day and age. Okay. 
is they say that once you hit 30, that's when you disconnect from what's in, what's the now. But I feel as if that's not true anymore, especially with my generation. A lot of us go back to the classics, like some of my friends are complete metalheads that listen to nothing but the 80s. There's the group of kids that are only into today's pop. But at some point, that all just becomes irrelevant to somebody in their life and where they're at. We use music to connect us not only to a time in our life or to take us back to a memory to relive, but we use it to get us into a certain place. If we're feeling alone, it fills that void. If we're feeling sad, we have somebody to cry with. It's an all-around general, like, it's your best friend that you never knew you needed until you have it, is what music is to some people. I think you just hit the nail on the head. I think <laughs> I think music is to everybody that, you uh-huh. know, even some people who don't think it or know it or realize it, it truly is. Because, you know, I've interviewed a lot of incredible artists, especially from back in the day, doo-wop, and, you know, and here we are on Remember Then Radio, and, you know, the majority of listeners and uh, their shows are all about the doo-wop, you know? Right. And I think everyone can agree that music is life mm-hmm. you know everyone can tell you the song they heard when their boyfriend or girlfriend broke up with them right right everyone mm-hmm. can tell you the song that played at a loved one's funeral mm-hmm. you know everyone remembers music as the most important part of their lives at that point crucial point in their lives right right yeah um you know even when you're out to eat they have music mm-hmm. playing in the background um yep. music is everywhere but it i'm gonna, gonna tell you something and then i want you to tell me your thoughts on it okay sure so hip-hop rap all that mm-hmm. you know i'm 58 years old so i really don't like hip-hop and rap Okay. okay, the majority of hip hop and rap is foul, foul language, and I just can't listen to it. Mm-hmm. So about two and a half years ago or so, three years ago, when I first started out in radio, this young man from Trenton, New Jersey, um, Randy Shank was his name. He now goes by Director Six, something like that, Six Director, something like that. And in his 20s, and he got in touch with me and he said, "Um, Miss Jerry, would you interview me? I'm an up and coming artist and I'd really like to get, you know, my name out there. Uh And I said, I said, sure, I would love that. I said, but here's the thing. Can you keep it clean on my show? It has. He said, absolutely. Well, he's been on my show several times. He moved Uh down south. Um, he's an awesome young man. We absolutely love each other. And he came and surprised me this past year, um, for the holidays and showed up and he got a seat. Um, I love him. And here's what he said to me. He, I, I asked him this question. I said, Randy, why is it so foul? Why do they curse so much? And, you know, and he said, Miss Jerry, Everyone has a story. Uh-huh. And he said, and everyone tells their stories through their music. I said, okay. Right. And he said, and unfortunately, some of us only know this to be our story. And that's when 
I could respect what they did. I don't like it. I can't listen to that. But at least I now understand where they're coming from and why they do it. Because if you think about it, Ryan, it's it's sort of like what I was saying before. Everyone does tell their story and they're acting and they're singing and all that, right? Right, yeah. Well, that's their story. Mm-hmm. And telling their story helps save them from themselves. Right. So, um, what do you think about that? I think that's definitely 100% true. Um, you know, we all, I don't want to call it a crutch, but we all have our outlet. That's what it is, our outlet. Okay. Um, so, same thing with, like, with artists and what you were saying, that a lot of characters are a version, if not a, some sort of variation of themselves. And it's their outlet of either emotions or their thoughts, and they put it into their work, and it makes it even better, you know, not only for them, but it looks better just watching them. You get a feel for who they are. Um, same thing with music, with their stories, whether it be, you know, pop, R&B, rap, whatever they're saying, you know, yeah, it might be different from what you're going through, but at some point you'll be able to connect with their story and realize, wow, there are other people out here that are going through somewhat of the same thing that I am. Right. That's beautifully said. Absolutely. So, we're coming to the close of the show. We still have a few more minutes, but we're coming to the close of the show. First of all, I want to thank you. Um, I just love you and what you're doing. I'm so proud of you, Ryan. Thank you. I am so proud of you, and I cannot wait for the day you become rich and famous. And (laughs) you are. Like, it's going to happen. Okay, and I can show one of our interviews and say, guess what? He was on my show. (laughs) (laughs) I love him. Um, (laughs) So cool. Um, I want to thank Remember Then Radio for giving me this incredible opportunity. Um, I want to thank, you know, again, International Hall of Fame um, voters. They voted me unanimous. I will be in, in uh, doctrined, uh, inducted into the International Internet Hall of Fame December 3rd. Um, super proud and excited about that. God is so good. I can't believe that that's even happened. Um, I want to thank all my guests out there because, and, and I'm laughing saying this, but if I didn't have my guests to listen Okay, if I didn't have you guys out there listening to my shows, I would be talking to myself. (laughs) Right, Ryan? (laughs) You never know. Um, Angel Baby and Steve, they're the owners of Remember Then Radio, and Angel is in in there, and she gives you um, best wishes, okay? Mm -hmm. She's giving you her best wishes. Thank you, Angel Baby. And give Steve mine as well. Please give him a hug for me. I feel so bad. Um, I hope he gets out of the hospital soon. So, Ryan, before I close out with my theme song, what would you like to say to everybody out there? You want to give them your info and how to reach out to you, maybe? Whatever it is. Okay. Um, So, if anybody would like to contact me for any reason, just to talk even, um, you can email me. You could look me up on Instagram as well. Uh, My email is just r. G-R-O-V-E-R 396 at gmail.com That's rgrover396 gmail.com Or on my Instagram which is just Ryan Anthony Henry, all one word, no spaces Okay And um, 
tell someone out there who's listening that might need a little bit of encouragement? Say something to them. Um, so for encouragement, for one, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. Um, if you're out there pursuing your dreams, whether it be for singing, acting, or getting your dream job, you're going to hit rock bottom at some point, but that's how you know you're striving to be the best person because if you can dig yourself out of that lowest point that you at some point will hit, whether it be emotional or anything, as long as you can dig yourself up out of that and keep running toward your dream, you will get it because nothing is going to be handed to you and you have to work for it if you're serious about it. Beautiful. Well, I want to thank everybody again. I'm going to close out with my theme song, okay? Um, I'm not an addict. I'm just an ass is my book. I'm going to close out with my theme song. Ryan, I love you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, Jerry Petito. I'm not an addict. I'm just an ass. And in time, this too shall pass. I'm not an addict. I'm just an ass. Jerry Petito taught the class. I'm not an addict. I'm just an ass. Loves the answer, the greener grass. I'm not an addict. One day at a time, free at last. When you don't know just what to do. Just what to do, just what to do. If what you're feeling is really true. It's really true, is it really true? Just keep your ideas safe and sound. Safe and sound, safe and sound. That's exactly how change is found. Change is found, change is found. I'm not an addict, I'm just an ass. And in time, this too shall pass. I'm not an addict, I'm just an ass. Jerry 